Welcome to today's episode of Create Your Fate. Before I begin, out of respect for this extremely sensitive topic, I want to cautiously mention some trigger warnings that we will be talking about. Miscarriage, pregnancy, pregnancy loss, and infant loss. If this episode is not for you, I've posted an oldie but goodie for you this week to listen to instead, and I am sending you all the love and the light. Today's guest is Jamila Robinson, one of the founders of Missing Pieces Support Group, located right here in Houston, Texas. Missing Pieces serves the community of people who have experienced pregnancy loss, and it's organized by a group of women who have all experienced pregnancy losses, ranging from first-term miscarriages to stillbirths. It is their mission to bring awareness to pregnancy loss and to offer support to grieving families, and October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. On today's show, Jamila shares about her own miscarriages and the trauma and the grief that followed, along with her healing journey. She shares her story of what helped her through her experience, how to show up for someone who is going through this experience, and how awareness can break down the taboo around this unfortunately very common experience. Welcome to Create Your Fate. If you have been coasting through life, but are ready to make small conscious changes to step out of fear and into living your best life ever, this show is for you. Who am I? I'm Life Coach Meg Ellis, here to help retrain old self-limiting beliefs into a positive mindset so you can confidently become the person who you want to be by first understanding who you already are. How? by using the law of attraction in my favorite personality test, the Enneagram. And I'll even teach you some mind tricks along the way. Ultimately, I guide you to stop thinking about what you don't want and instead focus on what you do want. You can create your best life ever and it begins with your mind. Are you ready? It's time to create your fate. Hi, Jamila. Thank you so much for coming to join us on Create Your Fate podcast. I have been looking forward to this episode. We've been talking about it for a long time. So welcome to my show. Thanks for being on. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the invite. Oh, my God. Of course. sharing with your audience. Yes. You have such a strong and inspiring story and such a unique and beautiful thing to offer people. And I thought, what better way to share this, especially with uh, October being Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, as you informed me when we were talking about this. So I've introduced uh, Missing Pieces. So just give us a little bit of background on it, when it started, why you wanted to start it. Yes. And again, thank you for inviting me to come during this month, but the timing is is, is spot on and it's very relevant to be talking about pregnancy loss. So back in 2018, I experienced two miscarriages. The first was physically traumatic and the second one was more an emotional, something that I couldn't get myself out of without seeking help. Like I was, I was depressed. I didn't know how to express my feelings. And then when I did find words, you know, they fell on the wrong ears. And so, you know, there wasn't a lot of support there, right? Yeah. And between my first and second miscarriages, I reached out to someone who I knew who had experienced pregnancy loss. And I said, hey, I want to do something to, to help 
this this new community that we found ourselves in because this is this is something that's um it's not talked about and I, I didn't know anybody else to talk to but her because I knew known she she'd gone through it and uh she would have a, a more empathetic ear. And so, you know, we had a few planning sessions and through those talks, I came across some information that she was given at the hospital. My friend, Jessica, who is now, now also a board member, experienced a stillbirth. So she was much further along in the pregnancy and they do a few different things. Like you have to bury the, the child and they give you all of these additional resources. Anyways, one of the resources she got was a list of mental health support. And you would have thought that we were back in the 80s or 90s with the way this list was presented, right? It was just typed up. It was stapled. It looked like they typed it on typewriter, right? But most of the information was also outdated. So, you know, I'm going through this list calling, trying to get an answer. I do finally land on a resource that had a free seven-week pregnancy loss support group. And said, okay, well, let me go check this out for the sake of research, right? So we can figure out what it is we want to do. So I sign up and I attend that session. And it is the best thing that the happens to my life. I was able to sit in the room with other women who had recently gone through the same experience that I had different phases of pregnancy loss. You know, some were early term miscarriages, some six or seven months in losing the pregnancy, others reaching almost a due date and then have a still. But, you know, there was this common thread of going through the unexpected and then dealing with the life after loss, which because nobody talks about it, you don't really know what to do. Yeah. So you know, talking through that, navigating our feelings and emotions, going through those seven weeks together, it naturally formed a bond among, uh, amongst us, right? And, you know, we continue to meet beyond the support group at least once a month. Three of those ladies are some of my dearest friends. We, you know, had our life after loss experience and journey together several pregnancies later and all these additional children around now. It's just been a great thing. Mm-hmm. But... After we'd finished that support group and had continued to meet up, well, the desire for me to build something was just, it was here now. It was at a 10. And I was like, look, guys, I'm going to do a thing. Do you yeah. want to be a part of the thing? And three of the ladies answered the call. And so we, we started navigating through how to form a nonprofit and then talking through the things that we wanted to offer the first mutual idea that we had was a care package offering because you know of this experience that some of us who had gone through miscarriages you don't get a lot from the hospital or wherever you experience the loss other than please return for your dnc which is where they kind of remove the remains yeah. and then you know they send you on your merry way right so we all sought to put something in that person's hands that one acknowledges the loss, lets them know that we empathize with them and gets them thinking about the brief support that they're going to need to, to navigate their feelings after this experience, because it's a traumatic experience. Um, You know, nobody plans on 
losing their baby before having it, right? So then you have to process those emotions and, you know, the physical things that come with, you know, delivering a baby that you're not going to get to watch grow up. Mm -hmm. It's just mindfuck. It's mindfuck. And it will really mess with you if you don't deal with those emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot even imagine. I consider myself very lucky that I am seemingly one of the very few women who have not has not experienced miscarriage because it's very common. But again, because I feel like people are just kind of starting to talk about it, which is why I loved there's an entire month dedicated to the awareness. And I loved your nonprofit because it it serves so many. But if nobody talks about it, then nobody even knows that it's it's very common. Right. Why do Um, you think it is those statistics about the commonality? One in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. Wow. Okay. I remember you had told me that and I, or I couldn't remember the exact stat, but one in four. Yeah. Yeah. 25% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. So it literally is like a miracle to be born. Right. So not just to get pregnant, but to, to, I mean, to see the whole process through. Yeah. And that's something that most of us grow up not knowing. We've only been exposed to the happy path because there's a lot of people not talking about it. Thankfully, celebrities are starting to Mm -hmm. speak up about their experience with pregnancy loss because I think that it's just opened up the transparency platforms. But we as America have to do better. Yeah. Talking about it so that people don't feel isolated and alone. Right. So, and and that's what I was going to ask with, before you share that one in four, that's that's wild. You know, with the stat being one in four, why do you think it is so taboo of a topic that does not get discussed freely? That's a great question. Depending on how people, you know, communicate or express themselves in general has something to do that, with that, right? Because, you know, as an introvert, it's hard to talk about something in general, and something so personal and emotional, and mm-hmm. you don't want to get your heart trampled on if you share this information with the wrong person, right? Because you're right. already in a broken place, right? So you you start off being selective and intentional, even when you talk about it, and then if you don't get the, the reception or the feedback or the empathy or the support that you're looking for. That just makes you even more apprehensive or about telling the next person. Right. Even more isolated because clearly, you know, the person doesn't understand and mm-hmm. I'm sure has the potential to make you feel even worse. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. Let, let's just dive into that because I think that's a very big topic, you know, as somebody who has not experienced that that trauma and that grief. I know I do not want to say anything that could trigger something or make somebody feel worse about an already extremely vulnerable and emotional experience that happened to them. So what are some things that, you know, for for listeners who haven't necessarily experienced themselves, but know somebody who has gone through this or might deal with this in the future, what are some things that we should not say that you hear often that, you know, people, and again, I'm sure they come with good intentions, you know, yeah. but yeah, I've heard terrible things that people have said trying to console and it's Absolutely. like, just stop talking, you know, Please so what are, what yes. are some of these things? Some of the things are, oh, you're young, you're young enough to try again. 
Like this won't be your only time to get pregnant. Or mm-hmm. oh, you can have another baby. Not knowing that, you know, well, I, I really want this one. This is right. the baby that I wanted. And this is going to stick with me forever. Yeah. It's also going to make me afraid to try to conceive again. Mm-hmm. It's also going to make me afraid that, you know, my pregnancy will end in a loss again. Mm-hmm. So that type of encouragement is unwanted. When are you expecting or when are you going to have a baby is, you know, that's a touchy topic for women yeah. in general. But right. like for somebody that has recently gone through a loss, like you didn't even have a clue that they they were pregnant. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts really, really bad. Yeah, I think it's a probable like probably a general safe assumption just to say, hey, let the person come to you and share news. Yes. <laughs> Right. Rather than prying because, yeah, you have no idea someone could have experienced two back to back miscarriages and they've been trying for over a year. So when someone says, hey, when are you going to finally start having kids? Again, probably not malintended. It's a trigger for sure. But it's a trigger. trigger. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for that person that isn't used to sharing or isn't open to sharing with you, it's going to you know, like you said, bring them further into that isolation hole mm-hmm. and um, make it harder for them to get the help. So, yeah. you know, words matter. Please watch your words. Yeah. Maybe just, you know, let people come to you with information. And when they, right. you know, when they do, I think a lot of times people feel like they have to fix it or make them feel better. Like, and like so they you. say something completely, oh, well, it's not that bad. You can try again. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's stop trying to fix things. Maybe just be a listening ear and say, yes. so sorry. I, that's exactly what I was about to say, man. Just being there mm-hmm. is like the biggest source of comfort in your situation. Mm-hmm. You come over and, you know, sit on the couch with that person, watch the TV they're watching. They ask you to fix something. Okay, get up and do it. Just mm-hmm. being there for that physical, hey, I see you trying to support me. Yeah, type of situation is the best thing you could do. Yeah, say less and do more by just being there. Yeah, that's I think a really helpful tip for for people. And again, I mean, a lot of people just don't know. So with grief in general, like people say the wrong things. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, the presence piece really helps. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. You touched on a point earlier about having a miscarriage and being filled with fear for the next pregnancy. Mm-hmm. What was your experience life? Because I know you you have. Tell me your your yeah my childhood. Yeah, childhood. like your your childhood <laughs> history. What was each experience like? Right. Like I know you have a couple of kids and share about your experience there. <laughs> Yes. So I have a nine-year-old son and then my rainbow baby, which is the baby after the miscarriages, is now three. Time Mm -hmm. fires die so fast. Anyways, in 2018, my son was four or five. We'd gotten pregnant, lost the baby 10 weeks later. You know, a little bit sad, disappointed, trying to figure out what the heck just happened, right? But I I put my head down, I went back to work and kept doing things. And then maybe weeks later we were pregnant again and this time around I was told that I was a little bit further along and so you know once you hit the safe 
quote unquote safe period of time, we decided to share. So, you know, we told people mm-hmm. and then, you know, I noticed spotting and then the miscarriage happened again. And then we had to untell the people in that. I think it just intensified the situation, but wasn't as afraid as the third time I got pregnant after the two miscarriages. But yeah, the third time around, I was definitely more, I'm not going to tell you that I'm pregnant unless you ask me about it, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in sharing that type of news. It's like walking around on eggshells at this point because, okay, this first one wasn't a fluke. This has happened again. It could definitely happen again. People asked me if I wanted baby showers. There were people that wanted to give me clothes because the sex of this baby was different than my son. And I just wasn't up for receiving anything. We didn't even decorate a room for my rainbow babies until maybe three or four weeks out. And that was because my husband was like, okay, she can't come to an empty home. It's going to be you crazy. Have to do something. <laughs> right. You, you have to do something. So we, we yeah. did something. But even with this one, I up into the day of delivery, and I had scheduled a C-section because my pregnancy with my son, it ended in an emergency C-section because they were worried about all the things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they dialing me up to 10, and then they told me, no, we got to do a C-section. So I was like, okay, let's just do the C-section thing again. That'll help. That'll actually help me mentally with the process of this birth, right? right? But even the day of, it's still like, man, I know people that have delivered stillbirth. Something can still go wrong. So it's a very nerve-wracking thing, especially if you cloud multiple miscarriages. It's mm-hmm. just 10 months of, okay, is this going to work out this time? Lord be with me if it doesn't. I don't want to set up anything or, or do anything that's going to trigger additional grief. Like the reason I didn't want to receive anything was because, okay, if this doesn't work out, then I can't figure out something to do with this stuff that she gave. And then I've got to figure out, I've got to take down a room that I've put together. Yeah. That's and that's just just, more grief and more trauma. It is. It is. It's something that's all really, already really awful. So. So, yeah, you're on pins and needles that entire time. Women I've interviewed, they said the same thing. Yeah. Some are some are not as afraid to try again, but it's pretty scary. Right. Would you say then, you know, that entire pregnancy was at the forefront of your mind the whole time? Or would you have some moments in time where it's like, oh, I haven't thought of this in a while. And then, boom, it just kind of hits you. And then, again, you're filled with fear. What was that experience like? trying to balance the happiness and the excitement too? That's a good question. Every day was not a fearful day. There were happy moments. When I started to show, people got excited. You know, I, I joined in on that excitement. But there were also days where, you know, your mind travels back to those other miscarriages and it still feels like yesterday that it happened. And it's like, oh my God, what if this happens it's not a daily thing, but it's pretty recurrent throughout the pregnancy mm-hmm. cycle. Mm-hmm. What did you find helped you kind of just talk back to the fear and get back into, okay, no, like this is an exciting thing and kind of just talk yourself out of that, that mindset. Talking to friends, talking mm-hmm. to friends who've known what I've gone through, 
Um, my business partner and I were pretty close. He's experienced miscarriage from a father's perspective. And so he gets the the period of waiting and then, you know, not getting what you wanted out of the pregnancy. Um, so, you know, leaning into people that have gone through the process really helped. And this time I had more of a tribe or a village because I'd gone through that support group process, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, there were similar feelings amongst those ladies because some of them had gotten pregnant as well. There's one in our group that's had like two, no, three additional babies since. So, mm-hmm. you know, that first one was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm scared. Yeah. It's nice so. to see births that are successful in the group. So right. pieces, you know, that's just, it's, I guess, maybe calming or like hopeful, I guess is maybe the word. Yeah. 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 So it there's in, in missing pieces, then there's women who are pregnant again, and they're able to be there and they're able to talk through, okay, this is a support group for women who are now pregnant again, but filled with fear. So there's resources for that as well. Well, not necessarily that we do accept women who are now pregnant if they you know, want to talk through the pregnancy losses yeah. that they experienced in their support group. But the three board members that I mentioned, mm-hmm. we all went through that support group mm-hmm. process. That's where we met and connected. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we stayed in connection post support group, we've gone through the experiences of each of us getting pregnant again and seeing it be a success. Now, does the story always end like that? Absolutely not. Our group of four women is very unique that we were all able to have children again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've encountered women who, you know, have had up to 10 miscarriages and they have just said, no, this is not the way for me. But they've gone the adoption route. So, you know, I, I think it was encouraging for me to like to see someone go through it again and be successful. Um, because there was there was one lady before me that had another baby, you know, as we were getting pregnant and she was further alive and had another baby. But sometimes you're not always exposed to that. And it can be a little bit more scary because you don't know anybody that has been successful all the time. When in reality, there's tons of women that have gone through this, right? Right. And, right. and they've tried it again and, they, and they've experienced, you know, they they worked again, but because nobody's about it you don't know those women and right it's right. really unfortunate that this is a taboo top mm-hmm. even in 2020 yeah i agree and it's super helpful that people are having support groups or you know celebrities talking about it like we were talking mm-hmm. about before mm-hmm. now i'm going to ask a couple of questions and again from somebody who has not experienced this i want you to tell me if anything is is inappropriate because I want I want people listening to this podcast to know, hey, don't phrase a question that way or don't talk about this or I want this to be very educational for people. Oh, yeah. And I and so I will I'll raise my hand when you yeah. say something that's inappropriate. <laughs> but this has been on this has been spot on so far. Thank you. Okay. Question. My question is especially if you don't have a, a support group where people aren't talking about it and you again feeling very isolated. Did you experience this before? I mean, you had found your your support group, but when you are have experienced miscarriage and multiple miscarriage, people aren't talking about this. What was your experience like when you saw other people get pregnant? Was it hurtful? Was it 
just oh yes it was a trigger Meg it was a trigger it's like so much to the point that I wasn't on social media very often because after seeing those first couple it's like damn they're they're living what I wanted to live I wasn't able to have the child or the baby shower or get to experience the childbirth so it's tough in the beginning especially if you haven't processed feelings from you know the loss it's another month yeah, so, you know, one of the ways that we try to help with the nonprofit is by sharing our testimonials through a video recording that we upload to YouTube so that, you know, we come up and search when we're looking for pregnancy loss, miscarriage, stillbirth, so that people can know this isn't unique to me. There is life on the other side of this. I can get through this. There are success stories. You can live to try again and, and it go right through so we try to chip away at the taboo topic, a conversation at a time so that we can normalize this conversation and people don't feel insecure about bringing it up. Mm-hmm. So the education about what not to say and how to be there for somebody is truly helpful because when that person finally gets the chance to, you know, the courage to say what it is that they're feeling, you need an appropriate response. Otherwise, yeah, go back in their home. And also it, it allows people to create a safe space for right. that person, yes. right? And again, it's not about fixing things. It's not about mm-hmm. intrusively asking questions that are assumptions or, again, maybe just even conversational, right? Yeah. But it's, let's bring awareness to this so we can, everybody who is not experiencing that can create a space where people can feel okay being more vulnerable, talking about such a personal experience and mm-hmm. feel, oh, there's somebody else out there like me, or I can get you know pregnant again and, and have a child after a miscarriage, or it's normal to feel this way, right? It's normal to, and it's okay to be, take myself off social media so I don't see these triggers of other people and their right. happiness and their experience. Like it's okay. And you don't have to feel guilty for not being happy for somebody, right? Absolutely. I love that you're speaking about the other side of the coin because people need to know it's it's okay and you, you're not going to be looked at or judged at differently because you can't take in the information in front of you right now. You mm-hmm. still need that time to process and heal. So, right. Yeah, those, those feelings are to- totally normal and totally okay. Yeah. Well, and I think for everybody who's not experiencing pregnancy loss or, or miscarriage and loss, and not just this month, right? And just in general, I think it's helpful for them to get the perspective of somebody, and maybe they've never gone through that, of giving people grace. I think giving people grace is just a huge, huge part of life uh, in general and and just relationships. But, you know, it's giving that person, it's okay if, if they're not at your baby shower, or it's okay if they unfollowed you or muted you, or aren't asking you questions about your pregnancy Right, because it's just it's not that they don't care. It's it's just they're still grieving. Right. And I think if more people understood that, then I mean, I would hope, again, not having this experience personally, it would help with the feelings of guilt. Yes. You know, for you know, for not showing up for your friends or whatever the expectation is, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. People could get that and what a lot that would truly be helpful because 
as you know, with grief in general, it, there's no timeline on it. And it takes however long it takes for that person. So, you know, even a year or two years from now, that person might not be okay with going to mm-hmm. her friend's baby shower. Yeah. Being there for the delivery and all the other things that come with having a baby. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just where they are. With their baby. Yeah. I'm going to ask another question. And again, this just might be extremely, you know, off. And this is not from my experience, but my experience with my friends. I have had multiple friends have mm-hmm. uh, multiple miscarriages, sometimes uh, really late, up to eight months pregnancy and it is just it's terrible to watch Mm -hmm. and I know some of them have expressed to me feelings of this was my fault and I felt responsible for it and I would just love to talk about that because I would hate for anybody to be struggling with that on their own absolutely so when this happens especially the first time you feel like something's wild by like you're broken and we go down this this tunnel of trying to figure out what did I do wrong? How do I fix this? So it doesn't happen again. A lot of people spend a lot of money trying to figure out what went wrong. And it just makes you feel abnormal. Some of the responses that you get from from even the, the doctors that you go to see, it's like, oh, well, there's there's something wrong with me now. When they don't even in reality know if there's truly something wrong with you. A lot of the responses they give are actually common too. Um, like, oh, well, you just need to increase your degree. Or you're sterile. Well, not sterile. I can't think of the word. But something that makes it harder to be reproductive. Again. Mm-hmm. Something intrinsically is, you know, a little yeah. not the yeah. an optimal. I, I don't know. The you words that you but like, did you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's not an optimal, you know, right now. environment. Yeah. I think I think that's the word. It's, the environment is not. I think one of my friends actually heard that from a doctor. It's the environment that you have inside of you is not yeah. optimal, and it's like, okay, now you're yeah. you've told me this terrible news, mm-hmm. and now you're telling me that it might be something wrong with me that I can't fix. Where yeah, I can send you to a specialist to get that additional information. And the information they give you, it's it's very generic mm-hmm. because in the, the day they really don't know what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So um, you know you come back feeling even more broken, and so it's just this this feeling of like I might not be good for this, I might not be right right for this. Maybe I need to try something else. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, getting the courage to try again. That third time around, it was just like, okay, now I'm almost 40. So possibilities of this even going right. Right. Yeah. Each time you get pregnant, you're older. I'm definitely a geriatric pregnancy. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. It's like, oh, well, now I'm going to be older. And they, you know, all you hear is about, you know, Uh yeah, geriatric pregnancies. Which I think after 35, at 35. Yeah. I mean, you're probably another name for that. Wait, what? What's my name? I don't know who named it that, but let's it's work awful, on that. Isn't it? Get a name. Please. Smile. Yeah. But yeah. So, and then I was also dealing with fibroids around that time. And fibroids mm-hmm. give you very similar symptoms of 
of being pregnant. And so I'm, you know, running to the bathroom, take a pregnancy test because I feel a certain way, right? Yeah, it comes up negative. And the next day I'm getting my period. So that's another mindfuck that you have to deal with. And out of transparency, I was to the point where I had given up on pregnancy. I I talked to God and I said, hey, okay, well, I I get it. It's not meant for me. I'm going to be okay with it. It's well with myself because I was tired of trying and not getting to the point of what I want. And one day my husband just looked at me and he was like, you're pregnant. It's like, what? What are you talking about? And he said it several times and I started thinking more about it. And I just decided to take another pregnancy test and it was the weirdest thing. I was like, okay. Just when I had given up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm almost 40. Timing, right. It's always perfect timing. Yes, it really was. And it really was. Yeah. So yeah. Lacey Olivia is one of the loves of my life. I just can't imagine life without her, but she came when I did not expect her to be done more because I had just given up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that feeling like? Because I think that is something that a lot of people listening to this podcast could relate to is the feeling of giving up. What is the, I mean, I just imagine, I, I'm not familiar with, you know, pregnancy loss, but I'm familiar with just grief and grieving the life that you thought was going to happen. And you thought your whole, you know, family and your life was going to roll out this way. And you know, you have this, you're grieving a life that you wanted. It's not just, you know, yeah. six weeks that you were pregnant. It's the whole life is just like a carpet. Yeah. And then you're just discombobulated. So what does giving up, what does that grief feel like? It wasn't as awful as you might have thought. Like once you've tried and tried and tried and just haven't gotten what you wanted, it's more of a... It was more of a burden off my shoulders. It's probably why I was able to get pregnant because I wasn't thinking about it as much, right? Yeah. And so I let go of the desire. Now, I did struggle with, okay, well, because I don't like to give up on things. I'm not quitter, right? <laughs> but I, I just came to a point where I, I couldn't do this and be present for my family, be present for, you know, my other businesses in the way that I needed to be because it, it's like tunnel vision. When you're trying to do something that you really, really want, you just keep ending up with you know, unwanted results. Yeah. So, so yeah, I struggled a little bit with giving up, but then once I just let it go, it was like a weight off. Whew. Yeah, that's that's a lot to. I mean, that whole journey. I, I mean, and, and this is you know going back to missing pieces. Everything that we've talked about so far, it's like. To do all of that and go through all of these emotions mm-hmm. on your own. Yeah. It's just. That is, it's, it's tough and it's where nobody should be again because this is so common. Mm-hmm. And we need to normalize the conversation so that people are unafraid to go get the help they need. Yeah. Like it's okay to feel sad about this and, you know, all the emotions that come with it. But talk. I've learned that talking about it is the most therapeutic thing that you can do for yourself with yeah. this type of loss. And okay. to be around other people that have gone through it or okay. hearing other stories about it, it, it gives you the strength and the courage to 
step out on faith and tell your story. Right. Because, you know, when I started to be more active in talking about it and sharing my story, it was more from the perspective of I'm helping the next lady down the line that goes through this so that they don't feel a lot as alone and confused and isolated as I do. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got to continue to happen. Miscarriage, pregnancy loss is a part of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we're not talking about it makes it seem like it's just so unnatural and abnormal. Yeah. Um, that people don't feel okay with saying, I've mm-hmm. gone through that. Right. But what's and even more crazy is that, you know, when you finally do begin to open up, other people start saying, oh, I, be, I had one. Oh, I had one. It's yeah. like, uh, oh, okay. Well, what? Yeah. What do you? Right, right. <laughs> when I was going through it, yeah. I would have easily just come to you and said, hey, I've gone through this. What did you do to get through it? Right. And mm-hmm. and that's the thing about, you know, yeah. Brene Brown talks about this. It's this the shame can exist in the light. Right. Uh-huh. And this, and I'm not to say say that anybody should feel shame or guilt or that it is their fault or responsible. But these are the emotions that people are feeling. Yeah. And so if you isolate something, right, if you if you hide it from the world because of the rest of us, not creating a safe space for you to, you know, come about, then you are going to go through trauma and grief, but now you're doing it by yourself. And because right. you feel like, oh, I, I don't have a safe space to talk about this, I have to hide it. Not because you don't want to share, just because you don't feel safe sharing. I have to hide it. And if I feel like I have to hide it, then that's where shame can cultivate and yes. really just grow and grow and grow. And now you're your mind kind of just starts to spiral. And like you were talking about a mind fuck of now mm-hmm. I'm really in on this and I have nobody to talk me out of this. Right. 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 So I'm spiraling. There's nobody to get me back up. No, no. Around. And, and I want to say this message to everybody who is on the listening end, because I do agree we have to start with the conversation, right. And, mm-hmm. and take the taboo out of pregnancy loss and miscarriage. But everybody who has not experienced that, it is not our job to start the conversation. Right. So <laughs> right. I do want to say that we are we are showing up as the listening ear. Yes. And we are just holding space for somebody without trying to fix anything. Yes. Or and, and just realize that every time you're trying to fix something that it can come across as you are basically making my problem seem less, you know. Because, and it's you're you're not validating my experience, right? Mm-hmm. So when we say start the conversation, we create the safe space for anybody who has gone through it or who is currently going through it to let them bring it up, right? And and then go from there. <laughs> if they so, can trust you to be that safe yeah. space and to just be there, and then yes, be there and listen, and that's more than enough. Yeah. Because they don't expect you to understand this. You won't have gone through it. Mm-hmm. But they, they do want you to treat them like a human being that has gone through mm-hmm. something that's truly traumatic. And right. they just need somebody to be there for them. Right. And just listen, right? Mm-hmm. Empathy is not devaluing somebody else's experience. It's really just I'm sitting here and, and listening and I'm gonna I'm gonna stay down here with you. Right. Yeah. And I'm just going to hold your hand or just sit on the couch with you while you watch TV, you know, or, or whatever. Or see your favorite meal through Grubhub or, you know. Yeah, or understand that you're not coming to my baby shower and I'm not yeah. going to hold up against you, you know. Yeah. Without this so, explaining, 
Mm-hmm. Right. Without you having to explain or feel more guilty about now I feel guilty about not showing up for my friend and, and all that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going back to missing pieces, you know, sharing sharing this podcast episode, sharing what missing pieces support group is like, these are things that you can do for people like, hey, I I don't know about this experience. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to hold space for you. I'm not going to pry and not going to try to make you feel better. Right. Yeah. But what I can do is, hey, here's this this group. And they, yes. they talk about this openly. Here's a resource. Now, you you serve Houston directly, but you also ship care packages nationwide. That's correct. And so, we are also looking into opening more chapters in Texas. Mm-hmm. Our ultimate goal is to be all over the U.S. But, you know, yeah. somebody sends us a care package request from from Maryland, and we found several of those lately. I, I'm not sure what's happening there, but yeah, we're gonna ship it to you because yeah. you asked for it, and, and we think these are also things that are gonna be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the more people talk about it, and the more common, you know, of a need that we recognize that it to be, the more awareness can create more opportunities for growth. So you can serve Absolutely. Texas more. You can serve the whole, you know, United States more. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just starts with breaking that down that taboo. And of course, if you don't go into your website and know somebody who wants a care package, you can also donate financially to help you grow as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. or even send them a care package. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so many ways to help people. Yes. Yes. And so if this is, you know, touched your heart, we'll make sure that we uh, link everything in the show notes so you can, you know, you can find all their social media pages on where to direct anybody who might be going through this experience, but then also give you a chance to give back and help out this amazing cause. So all that will be in the show notes. And thank you so much, Jamila, for being on this this show and just and for doing what you do, because, again, one in four. Yeah, that's that's mind boggling. Right. Thank you for the invite and the opportunity to share. Of course. Appreciate it. Yes, of course. So um, with that, we'll wrap up for today. But please, please, please um, visit the website. Go on, donate if this speaks to your heart. And uh, hopefully apply all of the tips and, you know, just the, the knowledge and the education and just the shared experience. Just absorb that wherever you are. And let's just start to create more awareness and again a safe space for for this just you know terrible loss but well thank you again and uh we will be talking soon my pleasure thanks Nick.